This is Cultivate a Good Life, episode 22, getting teens to talk like you really can. You can't. It's not going to happen. I think that's great. That beautiful voice that you heard is that of... Wendy Howe. Or Hindi How Howe. are you? <laughs> I never hear that. <laughs> and I'm going to be her co-host today. Can I be the co-host? And Becky you and I betcha. are the guests. <laughs> Becky Prophet always gets to be the co-host. I do. This is true. You know who's here today at this table with a little stuffed animal fox and papers and, and a bunch of foxes. Oh. Stone Cold Stone Cold foxes. Cold foxes. <laughs> I'm high hold. <laughs> There are four of us, and this is quite dangerous, and we really don't know what's going to happen. But we have here myself. I'm Becky Higgins. We have Becky oh, Bradbitt. There she is. And her friend and co-host, Carrie Holt. <laughs> <laughs> Who else is here? Wendy Howe. All right. So four of us around the table. We're not sure what's going to happen, but... We need to call this... I'm going to stop you right there, Rebecca. Okay. We need to come up with a name, because we think this is going to become a thing where we have Ooh. the whole team together on okay. topics that... It if if we can it. pass this test today. Correct. No pressure, ladies. What <laughs> should we call this? BH round team of, at the round table? The round table of the team? What do we call it? You spin me Get it, right round, baby. Right round at the table, baby. baby right round. Sorry. I, I love it. myself. I love it. There's a remake of that song now. Like, I knew I it back it. in, like, the oh, 90s. Yeah. It but, just like, reminds they've remade me, it, and it just makes me happy for It reminds me of the why. movie Wedding Singer, The Wedding Singer. <gasps> yes. That's the best movie. It also reminds me, The Wedding Singer reminds me of that awesome picture of you and Lauren. With the mullet. Oh, yeah. Oh, my Ooh. gosh, yeah. He Don't was, promise that in the he show was, Oh, <laughs> we've already shown promising it. Promising it in show notes. I he... promise it in show notes. We'll put that picture in show notes. He was fine. 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 <laughs> fine. fine. That's right, baby. <laughs> I have a feeling we're all procrastinating the topic because we're scared uh, to talk about okay. it. Okay. <laughs> I'm not scared to talk about it. Okay, oh, no. We're ready. We dive in. Yep. Let's hear a word from this week's sponsor. If you haven't yet heard about Operation Underground Railroad, we want to be sure that you know about this incredible organization founded by Tim Ballard in 2013. None of us want to acknowledge that modern day slavery is real, but guys, it's real and it's evil. And we are so grateful to those who are working tirelessly to put it to an end. Picture what it's like to bring together former CIA, Navy SEALs and special ops operatives. That's a lot of muscles. Hashtag don't mess. Well, our OUR partners with local law enforcement agencies around the world to save children who have been taken or who are in similar danger. To date, OUR has rescued more than 1,700 victims and has helped arrest more than 850 traffickers worldwide. Absolutely incredible. Their mission is to shine a light worldwide on the global epidemic of child sex trafficking and in so doing, rescue more children from slavery and assist law enforcement to seek justice for those who violate children. OUR places survivors on a path to recovery by partnering with vetted aftercare providers. You're probably wondering how you can join this movement. We invite you to become an abolitionist today by donating as little as $5 a month. These monthly donations currently cover over 40% of operational and aftercare costs. There are so many ways to get involved and make a difference. Visit OURrescue.org. Oh, you guys, we're having so much fun getting this episode underway. But seriously. 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 We wanted to have this episode be a roundtable because this is something that organically in the office and now not at the office but during our meetings. <laughs> I was going to say. We office. actually talk about this all the time because yeah. we all are parents of teens mm-hmm. and we bounce ideas off of each other it's awesome it really is awesome they so, pretty much just glean my expertise but it's correct fine. well really that's... what we do is field questions and because <laughs> we have older kids that's, that's basically right. how it works yeah so we are so excited that carrie and wendy are joining with us for this episode because i think this up ep- or that this topic rather is so important because our kids right now are getting more messages than ever before mm-hmm. like i don't know about you guys confusing my, messages confusing messages they walk in the door from school and they're exhausted. Like, yeah. you can just tell they're mentally, like, spent. And I feel like kids nowadays are getting so bombarded by all these messages of what they should be and what they mm-hmm. could be and what they aren't 
that is just so confusing. And so developing a relationship with your teens where they are having meaningful talks with you, I think is crucial. Yeah. That's what I've taken away from my talks with Wendy and Carrie anyways. <laughs> <laughs> that's what they have counseled. Communication is key. Yeah. That's for sure. It is. Well, and it's something that maybe seems a little bit unnatural, like, Let's mm-hmm. be honest, teenagers are kind of a different beast unto themselves. Mm-hmm. And as many times as I find myself like, well, when I was a teen and well, I'm thinking, it is so different for them. Yes, it is. And I think the first step is recognizing like as much as we think we know what they're going through, and in some cases we do, we also have to respect and know that there's a lot we don't know right. about how their relationship with being a teenager is right now and how it's completely different than ours was. And also we are experiencing parenting in a way that's never been experienced before mm-hmm. um we we're going through things that parents of the past haven't had to face so we're my point is we're all in this together we as parents they we're as kids. all in this to carry where you want to now we are we're all stars and we'll see that okay See how that happens. Is that High School Musical? That is from High School Musical. That's that's like the classic one from High School Musical. I just had to take that opportunity. Thank you so much. Like I'm carrying my house. I'm so happy. When you can talk about Zac Efron at any time, that's always a good thing. That man just keeps getting better. Yeah. Do you know that I attended with my friend Rochelle the premiere of High School Musical 2? In St. George, Utah? Like eight months pregnant. Oh, in an I love Troy Bolton T-shirt. Oh yes, you nice. Did. Yes, you I don't know did. who that is. It was the classiest day. Of what my life. city were you in? Oh, Phoenix, Arizona. Okay, oh. Troy, who? Did anybody just hear her say, "I don't know who that is"? Well, I'm sorry, Troy Bolton. Troy Bolton, oh, main wow. character of what High about School Gabrielle? Musical. Oh, okay. I know Gabrielle. I don't know that I can work for this company anymore. <laughs> Sorry. So you've heard I don't. That is at the heart of memory keeping, right there. (laughs) It really. My apologies. Okay. So So, as we get Rebecca acquainted with Troy Bolton, (laughs) let's talk about the phase of life Troy was in. He was a high schooler. He was a teenager. He for sure was. This really is not about High School Musical. No, we digress. But High School Musical is just a fantasy, anyway. Let's be real. Our kids are not listening to Troy Bolton. They're listening no. to Carrie and I sing to them. Yes, obviously. Which is even better. <laughs> so my friend Amanda, who actually was the one that was on our episode about overcoming discouragement, mm-hmm. um, she is having a situation with her parents where um, one of her parents has Alzheimer's and she is in a caring role for him right now. And I was talking to her as preparing for this episode and she brought something up to me that was really eye-opening. And she said that as... Her dad's memory has been declining. She has seen everything be stripped away. And the only skills that remain are the things that are like his muscle memory Memory. skills. Mm -hmm. And it just totally got me thinking about muscle memory and habits, right? Right. And when we're talking in regards to talking to teens, you almost have to be making this like a muscle memory thing, right? Mm -hmm. So what I mean is if you have a situation happen with your kids, which will happen, multiple times probably a week if you don't already have an established like relationship of the give and take and how you guys share that muscle memory is not intact when it needs to be intact like the goal here with this episode is we want your kids first reaction when something happens is to come and talk to you Mm -hmm, right mm -hmm. or to give you more than one word answers Mm -hmm. which is something I think we all can relate to getting or grunting sometimes they grunt or like stop Mm -hmm. I'll say how was your day fine what do you mean it was fine? Mama was fine. What do you mean? What was fine about it? Mom. Yeah, then they're fine. mad. And, and I think part of it like, is kids anymore don't talk the way that we used to talk. They don't communicate verbally in the same way that we grew up communicating verbally. So sure. I think it's it really is about, like you're talking about, Becky, asking intentional questions of them. I see that a lot with um, kids that I teach in the early morning is that, if I'm not asking very specific questions of them, then they just don't really come back with any sort of an answer. But if I ask them more specific and direct questions that mm-hmm. elicit a response, yeah. more than a one-word response, it's not a yes or no question. Right. It is a question that prom- prompts or promotes feeling or expression or really thinking about what what was fine about today or you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. asking things that are more targeted. I, we almost have to train them mm-hmm. to think through questions anymore because they are very used to nonverbal communication and very simple misspelled mm-hmm. words that they're right. texting back and forth to people. So I think well, and it's totally training. devoid of emotion. Like mm-hmm. there's That's no, true, yeah. 
it's safe because there's they you can't see who you're, who you are talking to and mm-hmm. they can't see you and they're just doing those little words and it means it could mean a million different mm-hmm. things right mm-hmm. so well and i think typically in like dms or however however those crazy kids are communicating communicating <laughs> nowadays emojis. like you said they're emojis, communicating right? with um, emojis emojis well, rebecca perhaps. that would be me in my 40s um, but the- <laughs> You know you love them. I, Don't even I deny. Really do. I just Bitmoji I make me happy. Yeah, I know. You two me are too. so good. I cannot express my feelings through Bitmoji because I'm not like fluent enough with it. It's I really like, like trying to GIF speak Spanish. Or the GIF. 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 Really the like fact those. that I don't know which pronunciation is correct it's would GIF. show you where I'm at with that. <laughs> GIF. It's like yeah, a, a GIF without the G. It's GIF. It's GIF. Anyway, we digress. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, so we're going to give you some tools. We hope. To help. That's the plan. To help get you started. And I loved what Carrie said first, was thinking over in your mind a question that is not a yes or no answer. So Carrie, do you have like, okay, so say I come home from school. Give me an example of a non-yes or no question. Hmm. Well, I have one. No, I ask these questions every day. Um, yep. and, and the question usually is, what was something that just brightened mm-hmm, your day? Mm-hmm. Or did someone serve you today? Did you serve someone? What was something that you noticed about your teacher today that was kind of cool? Um, what was something that you noticed about someone that kind of bugged you? Like, it's okay to talk about the negative stuff too. And by the way, I don't elicit that. Like, I'm not trying to get home. up and... What sucked today, honey? I know. I, when I said me. that, I'm like, I don't really ask that question. But No, my point but sometimes is, that is a good question to ask. When well, Weston walks in and I'm he's like in a funk to say dude what happened I'm noticing you're a little down here and that's what I was going to say is that I I don't like try to bring that out but when I can tell they are in a salty mood then I will ask a question that almost gives them permission to just share it's okay it's okay that we were frustrated it's okay to feel sad it's okay to be really upset about something let's just talk about it I like that Mm mm-hmm it okay. is okay to feel frustrated. So one thing that I have done that has been successful for me is giving myself like a little pep talk. And generally as a parent, and I'm sure you all can relate, when your kid is having a funky few days where you can just tell they're a little bit down, something's going on, maybe they're not ready to talk about it. Mm-hmm. I have given myself a pep talk of like, hey, something I feel like is going on. I'm going to prime the pump. I'm going to ask these questions that aren't yes or no answers. But in my mind, I have to prepare a response that is not a freak out. Yeah. What Mm -hmm. I mean is you have got to be prepared with whatever your kid tells you. Yeah. Which they're dealing with some pretty serious things that would shock us and that do shock me all the time. So we have to prepare a response so that we are not immediately shutting that communication down with like an emotional response. Well, I just want to piggyback because I know that Carrie and Wendy have a lot to to share about that, especially based on personal experience. But Mm -hmm. I want to say that I think it's important for us to maybe perhaps consider not choosing to not be shocked no matter what. And so that's going along with what you're saying. But my point is, is I've learned a long time ago that nothing shocks me anymore Mm -hmm. because I could hear the most shocking thing about anyone, not just from my child. And I have already made up my mind that nothing shocks me anymore because we live in a crazy world. Mm -hmm. Crazy things happen. Crazier things have happened than I am even aware of. And my choice is to just not take the approach of being shocked anymore. Mm -hmm. That kind of calms me down before I even hear about anything. Well, or knowing that you can be shocked later in private with your sure. husband. You can have that or freak out moment of like, right. oh my gosh, mm-hmm. which has yeah. happened to me before too. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So Carrie and Wendy on that, like your based on your experience, is that something that you had to learn the hard way and maybe you did freak out on a child or have you guys always known that and understood and have been pretty good about not freaking out when your kids have come to you? Well, for me, I, I watched my kids that were struggling, struggle. So I knew they were struggling. Mm -hmm. And I prepared myself by being really prayerful Mm -hmm. and just asking God to help me, you know, know what to say, when to say it and how to react. And so I didn't make up my mind not to be shocked. But when I did hear things come out of my daughter's mouths, like I, we have two older daughters that are married now. Um, when, things came out of their mouths that I, that were shocking to me, I was able to be calm. Mm. I was able to be like, I didn't even recognize myself. I was so calm. That's amazing. And that's prayer. My reaction to them allowed them to continue to tell me what they were telling me. Because mm-hmm. a lot of times when you freak out, they shut down. Totally. And it's gone. So 
what's so beautiful about doing that and having those experiences with the kids, they see how much better they feel after they've talked to me or their dad. Makes sense. Because then mom and dad didn't freak out. Mm -hmm. In fact, they told me how much they love me and how they totally get it. And they've had issues like that in the past or whatever that we relate to them. And then the next time I had daughters, I have a daughter that would faint, pass out when she would get in, like when we would find out something that she was doing mm-hmm. and we would question her, she would actually faint. Oh, and like she's just so like terrified. she was so Fit- didn't want us to know. Right. Mm. And it was happening and we were knowing and she would pass out and faint. I, I, wow. I studied that and that's a defense mechanism. Like mm. she started yeah. hyperventilating. And so after that, when someone was going to get a talk about something, we would say, okay, come in here, sit your butt on the floor. <laughs> you're gonna no fainting. You're going to go ahead and lay down <laughs> like, right now. You're not kidding. <laughs> I don't care if you're fainting. You sit back up. We're still talking. Right. And so wow. I think that um, them knowing that we're going to talk about it regardless. Either you, you, can, you can be open about it now or you can be miserable for a long time. And once right. you get through that first hump, mm-hmm. then they know they can be open with you and you're going to support them. Like if anything, we're more compassionate mm-hmm. because we right. see the kind of pain they're in over whatever they didn't want to share with us. But you they were have hiding. to decide that ahead of time. And I right. think that's the key is by not freaking out, you are now a safe place. Mm-hmm. You are the safest place for your child. Yeah. And that is important because if you aren't, then they are now they are now doing things in secret. They are now doing things and not communicating right. and talking about it and just working through it. Mm-hmm. That's part of our role. That's one of our biggest roles as parents is yeah. help them, guide them, and be with them through sorting through the stuff that's going to come up because stuff will absolutely come up. All the things that you think could never happen to your child, just plan on when it's going to happen or mm-hmm. just think about when it's going to happen, mm-hmm. not if. Mm-hmm awful things will probably come up and that's not a negative attitude think about what we did as teenagers and i think i was a pretty good teenager but think about what we did and now add on top of that all the tools that they have right okay that didn't exist and then for us you have some scope of what you could be dealing with Mm -hmm. their development looks so much different than ours did right which brings me to kind of my next point is Um, I actually polled a bunch of teenagers when we were preparing, like, what works when um, your parents are trying to communicate? Like, what are the things that really worked? Love it. And one of the teenagers said, I really like when my parents share experiences from when they were my age, Mm -hmm. which is something I try to do in a very prayerful way, because I certainly don't want to be like, well, I made all kinds of bad choices, and it turned out fine for me, so don't (laughs) worry. But on the flip side, side, sometimes because I have a close relationship with my kids, I forget that they don't know certain details of my life. That's a good point. They only know me as their mom. Mm -hmm. And so slowly when the time has, you know, been appropriate and when I felt like it was a beneficial thing to do, I've been able to share pieces of, man, I totally remember I had this situation happen and it sounds like a lot what you're going through and and kind of relating to them knowing like they're not the first person to go through this Mm -hmm. number one number two that what they're feeling is normal because I think nowadays with with teens there are so many hot button words about depression and anxiety and all the things going on they have so much information that when they feel those intense sadness feelings which are totally developmentally appropriate they automatic they're automatically like what's wrong with me i think i i think i'm depressed i think i'm and it turns into this cycle of like them trying to self-diagnose really teenage angst is what it is Mm -hmm. and so that's one thing that's been helpful for me is to develop that relationship allowing my kids to know me as a person to know me as i was when i was their age so they know that what they're feeling is normal and that they're not alone on the, on the other side of that is from a parent perspective. I just went through something similar um, to what you're talking about recently with Claire. She is 13 where it was a really crappy day at school with friends. Mm. It was a total friend issue, which is insanely common at that age. Right. And, and the first thing I thought of was, Oh man, I've been there. And that was my tactic with her and not a strategy that I developed ahead of time, but it's like what you were saying, Wendy, with just being prayerful about parenting in general and, trying to 
always be in tune with what your kids needs are and and what feels right in the moment it felt completely right in the moment to to let her know straight away like immediately what you have gone through happens all the time it's very age appropriate it's unfortunate but it's very age appropriate that these kind of friend issues happen and i don't diminish your feelings it was really important and I felt very impressed in that moment to not be like, oh, you're fine. This happens all the time. You're fine. But I needed to validate that it was normal and validate that it's okay to be sad. Let's be sad together. This sucks. I'm sorry that you're going through this, but it's going to be fine. Mm-hmm. And then we talked through how to get through it. I found the same thing to be true. You know, I've, I've had lots of different experiences to teach kids that are teenagers. Obviously, I have my own teenagers. And I think, yeah, they like the relatability. And I think sometimes it's it's okay too to recognize that if they're not ready to talk, that's mm-hmm. okay too. And I Absolutely. think they need to understand. And that is, I maybe that's somewhere else in our notes. I don't know, but Doesn't that's just something matter. that I've been thinking about and that every yeah. teenager is so different. My oldest daughter and my second daughter are 100% complete and total opposites mm-hmm. when it comes to communication. Mm-hmm. 100% one hundred twenty thousand percent different. Isn't that funny? My oldest is yes. Like, oh my my oldest is like totally one hundred percent bottled up. Doesn't want to talk about things. She is sunshine, roses, lollipops, unicorns. Everything's great. Everything's fine. Like skirts over anything. Like if if she is struggling with anything, she would never want you to know. Not because of a perfectionist nature. It's just it's, it's just, just who she is. It's who how she, she is. processes. Yeah. My second one, I can walk in the door. She cannot for her life lie to me. <laughs> because it is That's awesome face that like, is awesome. and but she is my talker she is my communicator and so it's been very interesting to parent the two of them because they are so dramatically That's different good exercise for you it is and yet good it's test. it's it's been really interesting now my oldest daughter is um serving a mission for our church and she's been gone for about a year now and i will say that i have probably I probably feel like I have gotten closer to her as she has lived away from my home in the semester that she lived away from college and the year that she has been gone serving a mission because our communication has had to be through emails and through phone calls when she would call me from college. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, I mean, it wasn't right when she was like in the prime of her teenagerhood. I don't feel like I was disconnected from her in high school, but there was a lot of things because of the way that she viewed communication. We obviously, I mean, she knew she could come to me for anything, but she just wasn't the type Mm -hmm. to come to me about anything. And there were definitely difficult talks that we had about things that we knew and understood and experiences that she had, but not the way that I have with my second daughter. My second daughter will walk home and like immediately wants to plop down on the couch Mm-hmm. And talk to me about everything, about her friends and what her friends are going through and all that. And and I don't I haven't done anything horribly differently except for the fact that I recognize that they are completely different personalities. Right. And because of that, I'm sure Becky, you know the same thing. Like any of us, all of our kids are so different. I think it's really important that we as parents recognize the differences. And know that it's okay if one doesn't want to communicate the totally. same way that the other one Agreed. wants to oh, communicate. Because man, that was a struggle with my first one mm-hmm. for a long time. Mm-hmm. I felt like I just want her to talk to me. Right. Like I just, I know there's stuff going on in her head and yet she was okay. I mean, I knew that emotionally she was okay. We definitely went through some from some stuff with her, but I just had to recognize that that wasn't how she was going to communicate with me. Yeah. in a really verbal way but we could share she would she would journal and she would write things and so for me to recognize that that was her form of communication mm-hmm. one year for mother's day she gave me a journal i know you've seen it becky and it was it was my gift for mother's day and she had decided that over the course of the year she wanted to take time to recognize more in what it was about me as her mother that she appreciated Can you these are things that she did believe? not that was the I know. these are things that she someone who doesn't say it ever right yeah. and she just she wasn't vocal that way but it didn't mean that she wasn't feeling and communicating in other ways i wish that i you know you can't go back to the back you know i wish i could have but for her i recognize now that something like a you and me type right. journal would have been mm-hmm. the perfect way really to point. communicate with her. That wasn't really a thing back when right. she was in high school. You know, it's definitely more of a trendy thing right now where we have journals that go back and forth in dialogue. But for her, that would have been the perfect way to communicate back and forth. And yet for my second daughter, no way. She doesn't even want to get a pen out 
at all. So let, let's just let's just remember that in addition to the four of us sitting here, we have all of everybody in our community listening to this episode. And let's bring what you're talking about home. Let's bring it home. And, um, and maybe all of us can be a little bit better about taking the time to really proactively notice, acknowledge these different personality types and communication styles. And here's the thing that I keep thinking, honor it. Hmm. Honor the differences, honor it in a way that means, um, that you might have to be uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Um, my daughter does not want to talk about her, when she does not want to talk about her feelings, she doesn't want to talk about it. And I used to push, not in a pushy, pushy way, but more of like a, well, but honey, I can recognize that da 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 and let's just talk about it because I can solve all of your problems Mm -hmm. because I have wisdom and experience, Mm -hmm. right? Like that's where I was coming from. And she, it took her saying, I actually asked her, what would mean, what would help you feel the most loved when you are in a situation like this? Is it that I do try to get you to talk about it and that's helpful for you? And she's like, and she said, do not talk to me. Do not touch me because I'm a toucher. I love to touch. I like to hold hands and hug and smack people's butts if I love them. Right. This is a, okay. I've been smacked at time by 10. Just saying. <laughs> no, but I'm a, you know, that is one of my love yeah. languages. And I, my takeaway was, and it took so much courage for me to say, Okay, you got it. Because she didn't mean it from a cold mm-hmm. place. I at first I was tempted to feel hurt that she was wanting to put up the wall, but then I recognized that was her way of saying, "If you're asking me how to show love when this is the situation that I'm in, I am telling you, space is what will help me." Mm-hmm. And I have sense when she's in a situation like that, given her space, and we have a stronger relationship. That's awesome. And then she will probably come, come to, to you, you when she's ready to talk. I and I think that so. is exactly what it was because I actually think, she has. And at the end she of the has. day, as as parents. It's, it's about them feeling safe. I know that was mentioned earlier. It's mm-hmm. about them feeling that we love them regardless. That's and whether right. that means you need a half an hour to go process and then you'll come talk to me. Or it might take you a week and then you're like, yeah, I remember last week when. Mm-hmm. But knowing that we listen to them and that we're, we're willing to recognize how it is that they want to communicate. It's not, it's not as a parent giving up and saying, oh, well, I, I just can't communicate with this child. It's mm-hmm. recognizing how it is that that's going to work. And being okay with, with them it. and being okay with it. And trying other things like the journal that you were talking mm-hmm. about, um, asking the questions in the book and having them write their answers. Because for some people, for my family, um, my husband is not a talker, not the way that I would want him to be. Mm-hmm. But I noticed that when he was writing to our oldest daughter while she was on her mission, he's a, that he was an amazing letter writer. And the things that he was saying to our daughter and the counsel he was giving her, I was like, holy crap, who is this this dude? He's hot. (laughs) (laughs) But I I saw this other side of Lauren where he was able to express himself comfortably. And so all of the stuff came out that he needed to get out. And and that's when my husband and I started keeping a journal together because I'm like, okay, you can write the stuff that I need to know from you. Like, write it to me. Yeah. And that might not work for every kid, but um, no, but the point is to try, try other. Everything. I love that idea. I think that's really important. Is and and we'll we'll say this with anything that you ever listen to, even on this podcast, we can say all of these different ideas and share different thoughts and experiences, but nothing that we say matters nearly as much as what you feel. Mm-hmm. And you're going to feel individually something that feels like a good idea to think about, process, try. That's a personal. You're getting those feelings and those promptings and those insights because we are all individual parents and so yeah okay so I want to give our listeners some ideas of things that work for us because the interesting thing that I have been feeling lately is that you know we have all these strings you know when when our kids are born and we're raising them and we have all these strings that attach us to them and then slowly as they're teenagers one by one the strings start becoming detached which is what you want that is exactly what you want and Mm -hmm. so that is a good yet scary thing Mm -hmm. and I have been recognizing just those strings that have becoming untapped so I I asked a bunch of teens what worked and then I went ahead and I asked my teen just because I only wanted to out myself but I asked him what I did that that didn't work that he hates I love it okay I love it I think everyone should do that because I have totally fallen into the trap of like 
let's t- I'm going to show you how to communicate and talk about it. And when I teach you how to talk about it, you're going to see how much better you feel and know that my way <laughs> is the best way. What? So, that I know. doesn't work I know. for everybody. <laughs> I know. So I asked him, because we have a great relationship. We yeah. talk all the time. I said, honey, what do I do? Like, just be honest. What do I do that doesn't work for you? And you know what he said? He said, well, mom, sometimes you try to make every single thing in my life a life lesson. Mm. And sometimes I've just had a bad day because I've had a bad day. And I wow. just want to have a bad day. He's and I wise. Was like, He's so wise. I do that, though. I do. I try I to make everything this big like he is unhappy and we oh. are going to... Get to the bottom of it so in his life forevermore, he is no longer going to not know how to solve his own problems. Dude, letting him sit with the discomfort is totally fine too. And so I love that you said when Claire was like, just back off for a minute. Mm -hmm. When we start to respect and honor those decisions, it is a reflection of those strings of attachment coming undone. Mm -hmm. And they're moving towards self-sufficiency. Which is what Which you is want. the goal. You want self-sustaining adults. Yes. Adults who know how to emotionally work through feelings in a productive way. Well, that alone can be the hugest sense of relief that any one of us can be feeling or anyone yes. listening can be feeling if, because I think sometimes we get wrapped up in the thought that, that everything that points to our child's success is on our shoulders. It's not. Not at all. It's not on us. Yes, it's our job to rear them, raise them, love them, feed them, clothe them, nurture them. But ultimately, we all have agency. It's like the best thing ever. Mm-hmm. And your child has agency. And so to allow them to to work through those through those emotions and fall and fall flat on their face mm-hmm. and fail and fail again, this is an important part of what helps them to be self-sufficient. And every time we allow them to do that, we are expressing to them in nonverbal communication mm-hmm. that we have faith in them, yeah. that they can do it, and that we don't need to pick them up. And it speaks to them. And when we do the opposite... It's almost giving him that inner voice of like, you really can't handle this on your own. Hmm. So if you are in a place right now where talking to your teen is an issue or like us, you have had a lot of trial and error, we're going to give you a few ideas of things that have just worked for us. And hopefully that will give you a starting point if this is something you really struggle with. And I'm just going to sit at all of your feet and learn. Oh, <laughs> no, I, I, I say that half jokingly because right now I, I got through that kind of phase with yeah. Claire and I'm like, good for me. Cause that was humbling. That's yeah. hard to be humbled by your child in a way that makes you think differently about the way that you interact with them. Well, 16 year old Porter, who's just an awesome kid is not hardly saying a stinking word ever. Like communication is like nil right now. And I completely acknowledge that it's a phase. I completely am okay with it. Right. But underneath the okayness, I'm also wanting to just be like, can we just go on like an international trip together so we can talk all day long every day and you'll really connect with me? When really, <laughs> I just need to be okay and knowing that sometimes it isn't, it's, I think Carrie, you were saying this earlier, it's not about making them talk. That this is getting your teens to talk isn't like how you can force them to talk. Sometimes mm-hmm. we have to be okay that we're not talking for a little bit. Mm-hmm. It's fine. Well, and the whole point of all right? this. Please tell me it's fine. Is totally. <laughs> the whole point of all of this is like Carrie said, you are creating a safe environment where when your kids are ready to talk, yeah. they come to you yeah. instead of going somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Well, um, my porter is the same as what Weston was saying. Like He's the relationship so with you. Yeah. sick of me. Turning every mm. car ride. We have so much in common, girls. Into <laughs> a teaching moment. We're yeah. going to lock you in the car and teach you the world's And that is how you can everything. live a happy life. Right. See, and yet for me, my second daughter, I told you she's very different. When we're in the car, mm-hmm. she loves music. music. And so yep. we lip sync together. Yep. We yep. sing. And, and that opens doors for Agree. us because... I'm willing to come to her where she's at. I mm-hmm. listen to the garbage music that she listens to, which isn't garbage really. She actually listens to pretty decent music. I won't lie. But I know for her, that is one way that we just like, we yep. connect, we smile, we laugh. And that leads to a feeling where she knows she can talk to me about anything. And whether that happens in the car or whether it's right. just a quick, but like, yeah, I mean, we've made music videos in the car, singing together, whatever, because that's just something that she loves. And I recognize that about her. We connect that way. And I think because of that, she feels like she can come to me. And Carrie, that is communication. Absolutely. And that is actually where my relationship with Claire has evolved. It, we totally connect over music mm-hmm. in the car. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, and I usually just ask, you want to chat or do you want music? And it's very rare that she'll want to chat. And the music, we are happy together. Mm-hmm. And we communicate mm-hmm. through just connecting through the music. That's I love awesome. that you shared that. Okay. So- 
So I have, well, I have attended. I know this is shocking. I attend a lot of classes. When I don't know things, I seek it out, man. I just love learning about every single thing that I am not good at. And so I went to a class all about communicating with teens. And I don't remember a lot of the takeaways, probably because they didn't apply to me. And so (laughs) the one takeaway... Was this before you had teenagers that you took the class? Yes. I think Weston was like 11 when I took it. I'm just getting myself ready. I'm an over-preparer. But anyways, so... One of the takeaways I took, which has been so crucial, is I love what you said, Carrie, that opening the communication through music, you were honoring your daughter where she was at. You Things that were important to her, things that she loved, you're honoring that. You're meeting her where she's at, and you're reiterating and giving her confidence as a human being because you're saying, what you like is cool, and I'm going to participate mm-hmm. too. And let's face Great it. Great takeaway. I love music too. Yeah, let's face it. <laughs> also, you want to connect cool. with so, Carrie. Yeah. yeah. There you go. So one thing that I have done and I took away from this class is I remember he said... You have got to be available to talk to your teens whenever they want to. If they come home at midnight and they want to talk till 4 a.m., you better stay awake and you better talk to them till 4 a.m. And I know for a fact that my son has used this tactic against me where he's like, it's Mm. time for bed. I'd really like to have a talk with you, mom, in your room. (laughs) Wow. And we've talked for two and a half hours. (laughs) And that's totally fine. Mm -hmm. It's totally fine if your kids use that. As a manipulation tool against you because guess what? They're talking. Yeah. So jokes on them. Yeah. It totally has opened doors because for some reason, Weston at nighttime, after everything's calmed down, everyone's gone to bed, that is his time. He wants to like just open his mouth and sure. just get it all out. And we have had several nights where we have just laid there and listened and listened and listened and it's hard to stay awake. But I think sometimes his parents were like, this is not, you know, this isn't the time. You can't. When your kid wants to right. talk, I don't care what you have going on, stop. Stop everything and let them know that they're more important because mm-hmm. it's going to, again, establish that relationship of like, I am here ready and available when you are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That has been really Agree. crucial. And I am agreeing with my whole heart because yesterday I made the mistake of doing the opposite of that. And I knew it. I knew it right when I did it, right when Porter called. And it wasn't even a big deal. He was just right. letting me know. But I was so stressed out in that moment. Yeah. Um, you called me yesterday when I was really stressed out too. I had kind of just too much. I put too much on my plate yesterday. And I knew when I picked up the phone and sounded hurried with him that I was making a mistake. And I knew it. I knew I was going to have to ask for his forgiveness when he got home, which I totally did. I'm mm-hmm. like, I am so sorry that I was blowing you off. He's like, mom, it's not a big deal. It's just an... But in my mind, I feel like I ruined his life because I shut him down mm-hmm. in a sense is what it felt like when he was just trying to call and just communicate something to me. Right. Huge mistake. Not a big deal, really, in the grand scheme of things. But I, I just wholeheartedly with what you're saying, agree that we have to be available no matter what what is going on, nothing is more important than whatever might seem trivial mm-hmm. or not. That's the priority. They are the priority. Mm-hmm. And For the sure. apology in that is really big. I, was just I think say sometimes that, too. Yeah. that it's really easy for us as parents to just feel like, well, we're the boss and we're in charge and all that kind of stuff. And yet, yeah. I have had to really humble myself and apologize to my kids before for either saying something that I shouldn't have said, whether mm-hmm. that was critical or it was derogatory or, or mm-hmm. yeah, yeah totally. or that I, you know, that I just, I made a mistake or I, you know, assumed something without all the facts or whatever. I think sometimes them hearing us apologize makes it easier for them to say, hey, mom, guess what? I screwed up and I'm so sorry about that. Because that, again, it opens that dialogue to say, you know what? I'm not immune to making mistakes, just like you're not immune to making mistakes. But guess what? Hopefully, you're going to still love me the same even when I screw up and I admit it. And I'm going to do the same. I will love you just the same when you screw up and you come back and admit it to me. It's okay. We're okay here. Yeah. But, we're, but we're both learning as we go. And we both need to be humble enough to recognize I screwed up. I am so sorry for that. Please forgive me for that and know Mm -hmm. that I love you no matter what. I love you beyond the comment that I made. I love you beyond the fact that I was short with you on the phone. Mm -hmm. You know, that you really are the priority and I'm sorry that you weren't in that minute. What's really cool is that modeling that is happening because that's exactly what it is, is setting them up for success in their marriages. Not just parent-child, but all relationships, like understanding that that kind of dialogue is exactly what needs to happen for a successful relationship. Well, I wanted to add to that thought really quick. Mm-hmm. Something that I do that I find helpful that other people have done for me is I explain to my kids when I'm having a bad day, I'm open about it. Instead mm-hmm. of just like being 
you know, short or rude or grouchy with them, I'll say, today this happened. I've got a really bad headache. I'm going through some stress right now. Please, if I'm acting short, and and just tell them up front because I I want them to do that with me. Mm -hmm. I want them to say, Mom, I love you still. I'm not bugged at you, but, you know, I had a whatever. I want them to be able to say that to me. And if they see their dad and I doing that with them, because there are times that he'll come home and he's stressed about something and I can see the way he's answering our kids. And it, I'm sensitive to that. And so I'm like, dude, you got to like mm-hmm. make sure they know this isn't about them. But then I have to like look at myself and do the same thing. And I think the more that we do that, the more acceptable it is and the more comfortable they'll be saying to us, look, I'm sorry. I, I don't feel like talking right. right now. It's because of this or this or this. Mm-hmm. So totally. Anyway, I but that. I think just as important instead of me always spewing on them because I do that. Like, we that have is so my... much wisdom to impart. Yes. I want them back. to know all the things that I know and the things that I've been through because I don't want them to have to go through it. You know, mm-hmm. they're going to go through their own stuff anyway, but um, I just need to shut my mouth. Shut my face. Shut your mouth. Shut your face. Not necessarily right now. I no. mean, but the, the <laughs> idea, the concept. But no, I mean, yeah. I just need no, to shut true. my mouth because I will talk myself I will talk them right out of what they were going to say to me mm-hmm. I will assume too much wow yeah or whatever but if I just stop just be like okay dude just so you know I'm not saying another thing until I hear from you so mm-hmm. I'm going to be quiet now and you know well, and really hum- oh sorry go oh ahead. I was just going to say that's humbling that's another point that we were bringing up earlier like you have to as a parent we don't know everything. We don't have all the wisdom. We do have to recognize that some of our best teachers are our children. Mm-hmm. And so to have those moments, like you were saying, Carrie, where you have recognized, like I did recently, where I just needed to apologize. Those are some of my favorite moments in my entire life is being humbled by an interaction with my child where I recognize that we, we're all figuring stuff out together. Mm-hmm. All of us, old, young, all of us. Mm-hmm. Well, and and I that, sorry, sorry, go geez. ahead. No, suck <laughs> at this interrupting stuff. I was just going to say that's where the relationship is built, where it's not just that one way street. A relationship is always give and take. And we've all had relationships where that give and take has been off. And when that relationship is off, and this really more applies when they're teenagers and not so much when it is a whole lot more give when they're little, as that relationship starts to shift and friendship comes in as well on top of parenting, that's where that real and genuine dialogue happens the interesting thing about what you said about shutting your mouth and letting them um kind of work through verbally their problems with you is if you think about it where did we gain all this wisdom that we think we have right Mm -hmm. through working through our own problems and so why in the world when we talk about communicating with our teens would we want to rob them of the knowledge that comes as you figure things out our job is to listen to facilitate when needed, to offer advice when it is warranted or asked for, and to show them how to do it themselves. And right? to sometimes shut our mouth. Mm-hmm. Shut our mouth. And also, I think, to remind them they're supposed to be going through this. Mm-hmm. It's normal. You're supposed to make decisions that are bad. You're supposed to make mistakes. Obviously, we don't want you to do anything that's going to affect your life adversely for years to come. But it's okay. Like, you're totally normal if you're having these thoughts or mm-hmm. if you've done something stupid. Like, that is exactly what you're supposed to do. That's how you get to be us and <laughs> give right. all the advice. <laughs> well, and think about it. If somebody is doing all the talking, like the parent or the teacher, I notice that sometimes when I've had the opportunity to teach teenagers. If I'm doing all the talking, it doesn't allow them any room to communicate back with me. Totally. Mm-hmm. If I'm just, it's, it's talking, talking to information, 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 instruction, instruction. I'm going to tell you how to do it. Well, guess what? They don't have to figure it out for themselves. Mm-hmm. They don't have to think for themselves. They don't have to communicate back verbally because they're never given the room to do so. Right. So it really is. Yeah. We need to stop, but not only that, we need to recognize that if they don't start talking immediately, it doesn't mean that we start talking again. Mm-hmm. I think so many people are afraid of silence. Yeah. And I think oftentimes our best thoughts, our best ideas, our best thinking happens when it's silent, when a question has been asked or a concern has been brought up and we're left with quiet to really think about it Mm -hmm. and recognizing that if somebody doesn't respond in three seconds, which can feel like so long when you're standing there wanting to have a conversation, three seconds is nothing. 
Mm-hmm. It doesn't even allow the person the time to think or to process the question that you've even asked. Mm-hmm. And then they might come back and say, well, what did you mean by that? Okay, well, let's re-ask the question and then give time for them to think again. You know, sometimes we ask questions in a way that don't necessarily make sense to the person that we're trying to communicate with True. on their level. And right. I think then we have to, okay, how could I reword that? I was teaching a class this morning and one of the boys said, could you dumb that down for me? Love it. it. Just, I don't even remember the question that I asked now, but it was, he just said, could you dumb that down for me? I say and that to like, Carrie all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I just speak at a highly intellectual level. But reality is <laughs> so we smart, communicate Karen. differently and we process things differently. It's true. And I think sometimes it's maybe we're asking questions that they don't really even get what we're asking. Mm-hmm. But if we don't even give them time to say, what do you mean? Then, right. you know, it I have a child that definitely I need her to repeat to me what I asked her mm-hmm. sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like she needs me to slow it down mm-hmm. or rephrase it mm-hmm. because she, at first I thought she was just being a punk right. and it wouldn't annoy me and then I would be rude and it wasn't, it wouldn't, it wouldn't go anywhere good. Yeah. But now I realize she legitimately doesn't understand what I'm asking her mm-hmm. and I need to ask it in, in another way. And yeah. then she will open up, you know, I love that. It. these are all great ideas. Yeah. And, and honestly, before we wrap up, I just want to be sure that we share any other tips, any other tangible tips, ideas, or experiences that we feel like would be worth bringing up. Do you guys have anything else that we should touch on? So one of our things we do in our family that we've realized with our teenage boys um, in communicating with Taylor, with my husband, which is super, super important um, for teenage boys to have a dude to talk to, is he has realized his best talking happens with our sons. They go on early morning runs together. Mm. And as where I want to like sit down and be like, let's hold hands and really stare into each other's eyes, (laughs) bare our souls and just hug after. For him, it really helps the movement, like the movement that they're doing something together. um, I guess it makes it like a less intimidating environment or something but helps it really helps them to kind of prime the pump to get them to get them talking that makes sense well yeah some people don't want to be looked at in the face and if they're like running (laughs) which is funny because i actually don't want to be looked in the face so no that makes sense i also don't want to run no i'm just kidding (laughs) (laughs) yeah i want to i want to have a snack while we're talking i'm like while we're talking about snacks that's That's another thing for me too is that food feed them yeah like I know this goes back, I, I was part of another episode that talked about food being a love language, but when we talk about building our relationships and getting our children, specifically teenagers, but anyone really to communicate, food brings people together. Food is something that kind of like breaks down the barriers. Be aware of kind of what some of those favorites are for your kids. Totally. Like mm-hmm. I know that if I really want to connect with one of my kids, I could go to any one of, you know, like I know if it's Kendall, like if I grabbed Chick-fil-A and brought it home, girl's going to open up for me, Ooh, right? Because good strategy. she loves Chick-fil-A, but, or like make a favorite treat or something. Like if you, mm-hmm. if you recognize that there is a struggle or that you notice that they've maybe just been a little bit off, think about, is there something that I could make or bring them that you know, from a food perspective, I just think food allows people to kind of like mm-hmm. break down the wall a little bit, kind of, you know, feel it's comfortable. Bit, food yeah. is comfort. And that's, I think if we recognize what maybe some of those comforts are for our kids. Totally. And we provide them, especially in opportunities when we feel like maybe there's something going on that there might need to be a better dialogue about. I think just recognizing that and saying like, hey, let's go grab ice cream at your mm-hmm. favorite place or you know, bring them home dinner and say, Hey, I was just thinking about you and I want to, they feel that love. And then that allows them to open up even more. We all know that food is a love language. Food, But even more than that, dude, if your kid is angry, Mm. feed them something because 90% of the time it's low blood blood sugar sugar and they're hungry and they don't, they do not know like self-care well enough Mm -hmm. to recognize that. But like, Prime that pump. That is not a funny thing. We still good. Legitimate. No, it's very legitimate. I really want Chick Fil A now, Wendy. (laughs) I'm Carrie, by the way. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. If you want Mexican food, I'm your girl. She's Chick Fil A. Chick Fil A. -A. (laughs) Okay. So I think one other thing that we should talk about is just about being real with our kids, with our Mm -hmm. teenagers, because they don't they don't talk like a Disney movie. They talk. Turn it. You, and they Why don't, can't we live in high And they're not are, so, surrounded by like talking squirrels and birds that fly around their heads <laughs> right. and things like that. But they actually hear lots of horrible stuff all day long. Way worse than what we heard. Way worse. Way worse. Mm-hmm. And way worse than we might even be aware. Yeah. 
things are happening in the in the classroom with the teacher there Mm -hmm. things are happening and our kids are seeing it i want to crawl in a hole right now Mm -hmm. well it's just it's just it's sad and it's discouraging but our point and even talking about this is don't feel sad and discouraged be empowered Mm -hmm. with Mm -hmm. what wendy's about to enlighten us with (laughs) well i just i just think um it's important to let your kids and i know you've probably talked well i know you talked about this in the marriage class or episode episode um but it's important for your kids to see you and your husband loving on each other or your significant other or whoever mm-hmm. in your life loving on each other what she means is hugging not hands. not making the love <laughs> straight That's make nasty. it out in the kitchen. no i mean my husband you know he'll come up and start like giving me little kisses or pat me on the bum or whatever yeah. my kids know that we love each other and that we're attracted to each other mm-hmm. my kids know that it's important to feel attraction towards the opposite sex or mm-hmm. to feel that and mm-hmm. that that's natural and it's nothing to be ashamed of and we should be able to talk about it in real terms and I totally say agree. all of the things and I don't know how much I'm going to say today but I, I thought of another story really quick I love when Carrie was talking about food I took my oldest who was at the time dating somebody that we weren't particularly excited about and took her to I hope their parents are listening. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he just came from a totally different world than we did and had totally different views on marriage than we did and didn't really want to be married ever. And she was head over heels for him. Mm-hmm. And she was over 18. And so I didn't have a, you know, a lot of say in her. I mean, she still lived at home, so I had some say, and she knew that. <laughs> when you live under my roof, there's still rules to follow. But um, I took her to eat Mexican food and just girls we were talking and and she opened up to me about this boyfriend that this new tattoo that he had all across his back and how much how cool it was and I could tell that she was baiting me totally. she was trying to find out like how much girlfriend talk we could actually have as mm-hmm. mother and daughter and I had been very prayerful about this child very thoughtful about how I was gonna parent her and just asking for help I need help Mm-hmm. And so she's bringing this up, and I said, "Well, what do you think about tattoos? Would you ever get one?" Not, uh, not asking her. Do you think they're bad or ugly or horrible? Are you are you planning on getting one? And she's like, "Well, yeah, I I want I want to get one. I I I think they're kind of cool and probably not as big as his, but I yeah, I would want one." And I said, "Okay." And then right in that moment, I knew exactly what to say. I had never ever thought of it before. I grabbed the napkin on the table. And I said, and I grabbed a pen out of my purse. I said, okay, on this paper, I want you to write down where you want that tattoo and what you want, what, what, what the tattoo looks like. I want you to write on this paper. If you still want that tattoo in a year, I will take you to get it and I will pay for it. So boom, I said it. And as I was saying it, I'm like, holy crap, what did I, what have I done? I know. Wow. And this was her reaction. It was Charlie, my oldest. She was like, she sat there for a minute. She's like, that's stupid. I'll totally change my mind. Mm. Boom. And when she said that, I'm like, oh, really? Mm-hmm. Then why in the crap would you want to put on your body permanently? And I, wow. and I didn't, I didn't like lecture her after that. I just said that. I said, for real, like Charlie, think about that. Just think about what you just said to me. You just answered the question on whether it's a good idea or not to get a tattoo when you're barely 19 years old. And so anyway, I, I shared that with a friend later and it, I'm not saying do that with your kid because you have to know your child. Yeah. And I was prompted to say that. Yeah, you were. I, it came out. She got it. Like the way that it hit her, she never asked about it again. She never talked about it again, ever. And um, it's funny. I shared, shared that with a girlfriend and she's like, if I would have said that to her son, she's like, he would have done it just to spite me. Even yeah. if he didn't want it, he would have been like, yeah. you're, coming, you're paying for this tattoo. He would have videoed the whole thing. Mm-hmm. He would have posted it for everybody to see. <laughs> <laughs> it, would have, it would have been viral. Anyway. So. I love that. And I think the real takeaway from that too is that nothing can be off the table. I mean, right. really. And there are things developmentally that happen in the teenage years where they're kind of coming into their sexuality 
in conjunction with the fact that they're bombarded with all this misinformation about sex and about relationships and about what their bodies are and what their bodies aren't, that you cannot shy away from those topics. And that's actually been something I've talked to Wendy personally a lot is like, okay, well, how do you, because at first I was like, well, I shouldn't be talking about this because then aren't I like encouraging something or am I like creating in them? No, when you can talk about those things, that's what they're really dealing with. They're not always going to talk to you about like, well, I was sad because Jimmy was mean to me. No, these kids are dealing with sex and drugs and pornography and real issues. And you have to be willing to go there and Mm -hmm. go there in a prayerful way. So you know the best way to know the needs of your kids and what you need to say and do to talk them through without shaming them, without guilting them, honoring what's happening and teaching them how to work through that and manage those feelings. That comes back to the not freaking out that we talked Mm -hmm, about at the very beginning. And it's like when they want to and need to talk about the real stuff, I mean, we're not talking about like I messed up or, you know, whatever. We're talking about the real stuff that they're dealing with on the, on the daily. Mm Mm-hmm. When it comes to that kind of stuff, like they need to know that we're not going to freak out. Well, and they need to know how their body is designed to work. They need to realize that if they have a physical reaction to something they see or do or someone touching them, that that that's part of human nature. That's how it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And it's not. And if they can understand that that happens, like I have daughters, I have four mm-hmm. daughters. I taught all of them when you when you are with a, a boy and he, you know, you think it's fun to cuddle and stuff. Something is happening to his body while you're cuddling and being that close physically that's not necessarily happening to yours. Girls are different than boys. We all know mm-hmm. that. What? There's, <laughs> their sex organs are on the inside. Right. And so they're different. And I taught my girls that. Like, if you are with a boy in this way, they're going to have, they're going to have something, they're going to have a physical reaction. Mm-hmm. Right. And they need to be prepared for that. And right. they need to be. And you need to be responsible. You need mm-hmm. to be respectful of their space and understand what they're dealing with. They, they cannot control that. Right. That's not a choice. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And so we've taught Sorry. All it's of not a girls. choice on the boys part. That's right. what I meant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Right. Yes. That was information you shared with me that I had never, you know, my daughters are not teenagers yet, but. Something I definitely want to have an open dialogue with when they get older because boys and girls are super different. The same way I talk to my boys and say, honey, if you hold a girl's hand or kiss her or tell her she's beautiful, in her mind, she is most likely planning your marriage. And when you say that (laughs) as a 14, 15, 16-year-old boy, it means something very different to you than it would. And you need to be guarded and respectful about the emotions Mm. of the people you interact with. Because again, boys and girls totally different we are from different planets it's mm-hmm. true. and these are important conversations i i have gleaned the same information and insights from you wendy over the years too and and carrie for that matter i actually now i'm like thinking of all of these stories that you guys have shared um, <laughs> not, not ones that are too personal but right. ones that i'm like i am so glad to have friends who have been through the teenage years at least a little bit to help me understand like i need to be thinking about these mm-hmm. types of conversations that's the whole point why the four of us wanted to sit around and even talk about this because yeah. we know that not everybody has a circle of friends, a tribe, and a lot of girlfriends to even go to. We want you to know that you're not alone. We want you to know that we know that parenting is hard. And and I just want to circle back to um, something that Wendy said. Actually, we've touched on it a few times, but I know that not everybody shares this, you know, similar religious practices, but being prayerful, just asking God how to help you in your parenting efforts, to me, is the secret sauce. Mm -hmm. It is. It is the only way that I know how to be in tune with my children. My kids legit think that we have uh, magic powers because I have asked my kids questions that needed to be asked right at the right exact time, and they're like, how the heck did you know that? And I remember growing up with a dad. He was a really good example of, of going by the spirit or going by his gut feelings that he'd been praying and, and trying to parent us, he would, he would like, it was scary how on he was about what we were doing or what we shouldn't be doing Mm -hmm. that he knew about without anybody telling him that he just knew that there was something up and I could not have, we have two teenagers left at home. Three are out in the world right now and, or three, 
they're not teenagers anymore. They're grown. They're young adults. Yes. They're out in the world Mm -hmm. and um, it's changing. Like I have to always remind my older children that they're different because they're always giving me a hard time that, oh, you don't, you know, don't do this with them like you used to do with (laughs) us. And I'm like, but you know what? They have different, they have, even from my oldest to my youngest, what has happened in the world with technology and stuff is, is totally different world. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so and it hasn't been that many years. It doesn't right. seem like it has been, but so much changes all the time. Yeah. Now, here's the good news, guys. We've given you all these awesome experiences we've had and successes and failures. Hopefully, you can take something away to get you started or improving your relationship with your teenager. Now, here's the really good news is that you already have all the tools you need. Your kids are yours for a reason, and you are the only one who can parent them the best way that they need to be parented. You were chosen for this and they are with you for a reason, which means you got this. Mm -hmm. You got this. Pray, look inside, learn as much as you can. Try a few of these tips we've, we've shared with you, but you got this. You are the perfect person for this job. So don't ever forget that. Have confidence in yourself. I feel better already. Oh, good. Thank you. (laughs) Does anyone else have anything last comments I just want to say that, um, if my daughter did end up getting a tattoo, I want to make it clear because sometimes I forget we're talking to not just each other mm-hmm. right now. <laughs> that that she, her worth or I, I don't think that they're bad. I, I'm not judging anybody that has tattoos. Oh. None of that. I just, she was not old enough to put something permanent on her body, in my opinion. And what I need to say came right out of my mouth and she got it. And that was a, it was a huge blessing it was and my (laughs) children the only tattoos they are allowed to get are ones that with hearts around them that say i love my mama or do good be kind to her little or that yeah well but what you're saying is it comes right back to the idea of we have to know our kids but i think that also takes effort Mm -hmm. i think it can be really easy to to be a lazy parent and mm-hmm. I, I recognize it in myself mm-hmm. often. There are many times when I'm like, eh, I should probably step up and do a little bit more, but it'd be easier not to. But I really think <laughs> there is a difference between being a lazy parent, meaning we're just not we're just not as aware. And I don't mean that in like we're not putting forth the effort. I think each one of us as parents like works freaking hard every single day to do the very, very best that we can. But I think that particularly in the teen years when there is so much going on, it really is that much more important for us to just be paying attention to the details and, you know, being prayerful, being mindful, but really just being aware, mm-hmm. like looking them in the eyes. And sometimes I, I have honestly, there have been times when I've gone to bed and I'm like, I didn't even hardly see my kids today. Like right. I couldn't even tell you what they were wearing if they didn't mm-hmm. wear uniforms to school. Mm-hmm. Like, because I, I don't, I, there are days when I just don't see them and I'm like, did I even, did I even look at them today? Did I even like make any sort of connection with them today? So for me, one of my takeaways is I really need to, as a parent, make sure that I'm connecting with every one of my kids on a daily basis. You're present. In whatever way that happens. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because there's a lot of ways that it can happen. But if I'm not connecting with them in some way, whether that is a quick little hug before they run out the door to go to school or whether that is you know, hey, asking them how their day was when they got home, whatever. If I'm not making that connection, making eye contact with them in some way, Mm -hmm. they are never going to open up to me and want to talk to me if they feel like I'm just, we're all, you know, passerbys. Mm -hmm. We're all passerbys Mm -hmm. in our hallways at home. Mm -hmm. Like, how are we making those meaningful connections every day? And the meaningful connections are what are going to open up dialogue. Mm -hmm. They are. Mm -hmm. And in addition to that, I also want to say that um, we need to give ourselves a little bit more credit than we probably are. So instead of feeling guilty, like, oh, crap, that's me. Maybe I'm not connecting enough. You are connecting more with your child than you probably realize also. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so don't beat yourself up. And also, parenting is going to look different individually and within families. And so... Don't compare your parenting to anyone else's. And also, let's be a little less judgmental about other parenting styles. Mm -hmm. I wanted to judge Wendy for the tattoo conversation, but I held back. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) No, but I I mean, really, we could all listen to other people's parenting journeys and experiences, and it would be too easy to make assumptions about whether we think it's right or... You know what? None of it matters. What matters is you and your children for your family. Mm -hmm. Like, you focus on that. That's mm-hmm. what that's what is at the heart of it, really. Right, having a little grace, yes, for everyone, including yourself, including 
yourself. It's mind your own business. Mind, mind your own business. <laughs> shut your mouth. No, I'm just <laughs> but seriously, again, you guys, you have all the tools. You got this. Yeah. Just give yourself credit. Put in she's the a life coach or something. Oh, <laughs> oh we're not. We never claimed to be. <laughs> not a life coach. So as we wrap up, we want to thank again um, Carrie and Wendy for being here because it's always just more fun with them. Of but course really, it is. Like... Everything's more fun with Carrie and Wendy. Oh, I love them. <laughs> and before Carrie and, and Becky take us out on a duet... <laughs> No pressure. No, I want to thank again Operation Underground Railroad because they have been the sponsor of this particular episode. And if you want to be more involved and be a part of that movement that really is changing the world, you can visit ourrescue.org. And on that note, we'll be with you next time. Right, girls? Yep. Yes. <laughs> the only song that comes to mind and it is playing on repeat in my head is Bootylicious. Oh, no. oh, hey. Just don't <laughs> Bootylicious or Fergalicious? I'm like, because now all of a sudden they went Fergalicious. We'll get them to sing another time. It's fine. It's fine. All right. We love you guys. We already sang. We'll be with you next week. Have a good week. Go kill it. You got this. I'm the one who wants to be with you. Deep inside, I hope you feel it too. Feel it too. (laughs) On a line of waiting on the Fun fact, I actually know, I actually personally know the guitarist from that band. No, you do not. Billy Sheehan. I was literally a one-hit wonder that song was. Yep, and I sure know him. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's funny. Peace. We out. If you haven't heard about Operation Underground Railroad, we want to be sure that you know about this incredible organization founded by Tim Ballard in 2014. None of us. 2013 is what. What it did says. I say? 2014. Oh, why? Why <laughs> did I two. say 14? Just I was reading. I'm like, did I read 2013? I, why did I? Literally, I what know. is my problem? You're stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Mic drop. Everybody. All right. yeah. I feel like we need to have something like a. Like a safe today word is a BH team roundtable <laughs> episode, and then Carrie's like BH roundtable. <laughs> we, like, we need to come up with some. We can even harmonize. I'll be your baseline, and you. They'll be it. coming round the table when they come. Yeehaw! <laughs> They'll be coming round the table when they we come. Can harmonize. Team is coming round the table. We are coming. This is round not the cheesy. <laughs> We're going to slap your face with the goodness. We'll bring you right around, baby. Right around, around the table, baby. Right around. Right around.